Hey everybody and welcome back to the Morning Moxie Show. I'm Alicia Sharp, your host, and today we have a different kind of episode and it's actually Kirk Cameron talking to Ray Comfort. And we've never had Ray Comfort or Kirk Cameron on the show before, I don't think. We've had Kirk, but I know we haven't had Ray Comfort. But he talks about um, something that is very important, and that's witnessing to other people and really a different effective ways to witness. And he's known for one of his programs many, many years ago that my husband actually loved. It's called Hell's Best Kept Secret. He's talking about the importance of showing people that they need Jesus, you know, not just to come and give the truth, but to show people that they actually are sinners and that they actually are separate from God and need a Savior. Here's the interview. Sorry, I want, I, I want you to explain something that most people have no idea. They look at you and they see this, this man who has a heart full of courage. You're just absolutely fearless, talking to crowds of strangers about controversial subjects. But I know that you once struggled with agoraphobia, which is the fear of public open places, open places, mm-hmm. public places. How is that possible? How, and how, how bad was that? It was devastating. Um, I was in the middle of the North Island in New Zealand. I was waiting to speak somewhere on a Sunday afternoon. I had a meeting in the afternoon. And I just was like, as I was waiting in a room, uh, I was going to have a snooze or something. It was like a thousand demons just went whoosh. And it was, I've never known anything like it. It was like a, a nightmare but I was awake and I couldn't shake myself out of it. And it just devastated me. Like a panic attack? Absolute panic attack, but it took my breath away. It was just unbelievable. And, I, and so for the next 12 months, I could not have a meal with my family at the table. It was too traumatic for me. Couldn't meet people. I still had to go out and minister. It took about five years for it to, to you know, calm down. But it gave me a, a tremendous empathy for people that say, I get panic attacks, because I know what it's like. They're irrational and your heart palpitates, your flesh sweats, you can't breathe, and people think fear or courage is the absence of fear, it's the conquering of it. And, and the, the way I share on how to deal with your fears is, could I ever get you to dive into a pond or a lake that had big chunks of ice in it, that if you were in there for three minutes, you'd be dead, it's that cold? You no. say, no way. If I said a four-year-old boy has just fallen into that pond, you wouldn't care about your flesh. You'd dive in and just grab that kid and pull him out. You wouldn't even think about the cold. Yep. Love is such a powerful thing. And the waters of personal evangelism are icy. I say to people, don't pray for less fear, pray for more love, because mm. that's the problem. Yeah. Because love overcomes your fears. And when I see, a, I see anyone I want to give a track to or witness to, mm. they look like Goliath to me. They really do. And I've just got to run at Goliath and not listen to my imaginations because my imagination's always the same. No matter who I go to share the gospel with, I'm terrified. You're terrified. Oh, terrified, always. Terrified. You seem to be no, fearless. No, no, fearless. When I sit on a plane and I'm waiting for someone to come and sit on the empty seat, I'm praying. I'm praying they won't show up. And I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I said, please don't let them. Oh, no, look at the size of the guy, you know? And I just have to say, do I care about myself or I care about this person where they spend eternity? This one question that's helped me more than anything else deal with my fears is when I meet a stranger, I just say to them, I get their name and respectively say, do you think there's an afterlife? That doesn't mention God, Jesus, heaven, hell, the Bible, repentance, any of those things. And just ask the opinion of the person. And I'm sincere and you find out, yeah, I think about it all the time. Mm. Are you scared of dying? Yeah, I'm terrified. Well, this isn't the Antichrist. He's not going to stab me to death for sharing the gospel. He believes in God. He's caring about the afterlife. 
And so that gives me courage to say, well, do you think you're going to make it to heaven? Are you a good person? And then we go through the commandments. Mm. Mm. Now, let me ask you this. For people who aren't as familiar with what, you, what, what you've devoted your life to, you decided to change the game with regard to personal evangelism. Um, what is it that you do that's different from what you were seeing around you at the time? Most of us try and talk people into believing the Bible, but there is an easier way. And the easier way to convince someone the Bible is the Word of God is this. What I did was do what Jesus did. The young man came running to Jesus, knelt down and said, Good Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said, Why do you call me good? There's none good but God. He reproved the man's understanding of the word good. And then he gave him the Ten Commandments to show what good is. God's standard. Why did he do that? Well, you don't give someone a cure without convincing them they have the disease. That's why you need a Savior, because you've sinned. So, that's what Jesus did. And the Ten, Commandments the Ten Commandments will show them that they've got a problem. They need a Savior. They need God's mercy. It makes the way of the cross make sense. So I, 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 always, I always love that. That's what I think attracted me to, to call you and why we became friends was because I'd never heard that before, but it made sense. If, if you were a doctor saying to me, here, here's some chemotherapy, take this. Um, it could kill you, but you need to take it. I would say, well, I, I, no, you, you got the take wrong patient, yeah, right? Like, no give that to someone who has cancer. But if he took the time to show me the x-ray and I saw the tumor inside, and then all of a sudden I say, doctor, what do I do? He says, don't worry, I have a cure. Uh, so suddenly I'm not, I'm not pushing him away, I'm asking him to help me. Yes. And he's my hero because he's gonna help rescue me from, uh, from you know, what's putting me in danger. You I love appreciate that. Appreciate it and appropriate it because you've understood the disease, so you understand the cure, appreciate the cure, so. If you could look back and identify someone who, who made the biggest difference for you in your life. Well, for life. me, Charles Spurgeon was the big game changer. Explain he, he was is. called the Prince of Preachers, an eloquent English preacher that if he talked in his sleep, he'd be quotable. He'd say things, he was like a, a, a Shakespeare. Uh, you prick your th fingers on the thorns of conscience as you try to pluck the rose of sin. He'd say things like that. And uh, I read a portion of sermon and he said, what will you do when the law comes in terror, when the trumpet of the archangel shall tear you from your grave, when the eyes of God shall burn your way in, their way into your guilty soul, when the book shall be opened and all your sin and shame shall be punished, can you stand against an angry law in that day? Yeah. He's using the Ten Commandments, the law, to cause sinners to tremble so they'll understand the cross. And, but obviously the great game change for me was the one that saved me from death and hell. Mm. You know, back in 1972, I was on a surfing trip, very, very happy as a non-Christian, enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season, just a good, clean-cut young businessman who hit it well, but I was burning with unlawful sexual desire like every red-blooded guy. And I was confronted with the words of Jesus. You've heard it said by them of old, you shall not commit adultery. I remember thinking that night, I've never committed adultery. If there's a heaven, I'll make it. And then I saw this. But I say to you, whoever looks upon a woman to lust for her has committed adultery already within his heart. And it was like, whew, an arrow hit my chest. I thought, does God see my thought life? I'm in big trouble on Judgment Day. And then I understood the cross, that the love of God was manifest to me. And talk about a game changer. It was an absolute life changer where when God opens the eyes, the understanding that the trees look different, they raise their arms and praise to God, the flowers blossom to His glory, the, the heavens declared His glory, the birds sing His praises. Everything looked different, mm. including the Bible, when I came to Christ. And I'll never have words to express, it'll take eternity to express the gratitude that I have 
for Christ saving me from my sin. And that's the gratitude that's that awesome. motivates me. It's the high-octane fuel that motivates me to reach the lost because I deserved hell and God gave me heaven. I remember a time when I listened to your, your message, Hell's Best Kept Secret, and I was so convicted by what you were saying. And I remember thinking, I've got to meet this guy. I've got to meet him. And I just imagined you as this tall John Wayne, you know, like, like you know, like, the rock or something, you yeah. know, this, 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 and I, and then I And it see, was like that. And then I see you, you know, <laughs> five foot, however many, and with this accent, and you were, you were handing out little paper gospel tracts to people, and they were laughing and loving them and asking you for more. I was hiding under the table thinking, oh, who is this guy? What is he doing? It's so embarrassing. And they were asking you for more to take home to their friends. And I thought, this guy's utterly unique. And I'm so glad that we became friends. I'm so glad you've taught me so much. You've helped me to have more love for people that causes me to overcome my fears and be able to share the most important thing in my life with people. So I'm, I'm very grateful for you. Well, I'm unique, just like everybody else. Just like everybody else. <laughs> hey, listen, if you could go back in time, what advice would you give to the 20-year-old version of yourself? So if God can trust you with small things, he can trust you with big things. If you're a servant here, he'll make you a servant there and love trust that. you. So it's uh, start low, you know, just love people and, and uh, cry out for wisdom. Every day I pray for wisdom. I scream out to the heavens for wisdom every single day. I said, well, maybe wise, because if you're wise, you'll think right, speak right, say right. You'll never do anything wrong if you're wise. He that begets wisdom loves his own soul, the scriptures say. God uh, was delighted when Solomon asked for wisdom. The scriptures give an open invitation. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. The Bible says Jesus had the spirit of wisdom. And I say, Lord, make me wise, please. Make me wise when I speak with the ungodly. When mm. I talk with my kids, when I talk with my wife, let wisdom govern everything I do. And, but I pray for it daily. So that's what I'd say to a young guy. Start low, be a servant, love people, share your faith and seek God for wisdom. That was Kurt Cameron and Ray Comfort, and you can find it on YouTube if you search under Kurt Cameron, Ray Comfort, Overcoming Crippling Anxiety and Panic Attacks. You can also find out more information about Kurt Cameron at his website, kurtcameron.com, and Ray Comfort at livingwaters.com. Hope you have a wonderful day today, and that you go share your faith with courage, and that you know that you can live a 320 life in Christ. God bless you.